I think gardeners are intrinsically generous people. I think, you know, now really is the time to, to pull together that way and, and, and help each other as, as much as we can. This is Company, the podcast. I'm Sky Manson. This podcast will become a regular thing next year in 2020, but I really, I just couldn't resist the temptation to give you a quick teaser in the lead up to Christmas, a time where things are so busy and so hectic, but they should also be fun and exciting. So for a few short episodes, we're going to get excited about Christmas and talk about a few ideas for cheap and cheerful and thoughtful things that you could do. My first guest is a total favourite. It's Colleen Southwell, the garden curator. She's gentle and super thoughtful about most things, especially her garden and the way that she shares her plants. A cheap and really lovely way to give a present over Christmas. Maybe you should think about it. It could be to someone who doesn't have time to garden, someone in the city who doesn't have a garden, or maybe it could be a present in waiting for the many farmers who don't have enough water to keep a garden going at the moment. I love the whole premise of what Colleen says, and I hope you do too. Here she is. Colleen Southwell, thank you so much for um, joining me on my new podcast, Company. Um, You're one of my first guests, so welcome and thank you. Thank you, Sky, for thinking of me. I'm really, really excited to to be talking to you. It's fantastic. Um, Now, Colleen, just tell me a little bit about where, where we are sitting. We're at your home and we're in a special spot. We are. So we're sitting at the moment in my studio. Um, which is a room in a um, corrugated iron cottage which is adjacent to our house on our um, um, small property um, just north of Orange. It's a really beautiful spot. We love being here. And um, my husband and I both share this building. So between us, we run three businesses out of this building. And um, so it, it, it forms a big part of our our life so um, and the building is nestled within our garden too which is really lovely so we get to sit and work and um, and enjoy the the garden um, while we're working which is is fantastic. Well you better tell me a little bit about um, the two businesses that you run from here just quickly. Okay so uh, the two businesses that um, um, that I'm really involved with um, the first is a, a small farming enterprise that my husband and I have which is running a couple of studs of heritage sheep um, which we really established to get our two um, teenage boys involved Um, it's a lot of fun really so it's um, um, fantastic for the boys and particularly for them to be spending some time with um, with my husband doing that so that's the first Um, but really the thing that occupies the the vast majority of my time is a business which is partly um, a garden design business, a, a um, landscape design business, but more and more so an art practice. So um, I had my first art exhibition about 18 months ago um, and the response was quite amazing. So um, since then, that's really it's occupied probably, you know, 90% of my time in the last 18 months and is continuing to grow. So that's really what I'm doing most of my days spent in the studio. 
Colleen has the most gorgeous, gorgeous artworks. They really sing to me for so many reasons because they're very intricate, very finely detailed paper sculptures. You will explain it much better than I do. And um, they're also of plants and flowers and roots and fungi and beautiful things that come from the garden. How did you ever think this up? Like what, what made you start to put pen to paper and then to try and sculpt the paper? It's a question I'm often asked and, and one that I find it really difficult to find an answer for. Um, I think I've always been um, creative. I've always dabbled in um, different mediums, so drawing, painting, um, stitching, you know, I've always been involved with those things. And I come from a really creative family, particularly the women in my family have been such a huge influence. You know, my grandparents were all artists. Um, my mum and my dad are both creative people. My aunts, my cousins are all makers and gardeners and bakers and milliners and just all these, you know, wonderful, really rich, um, creative paths that they've each taken. So I think that certainly has been the foundation. But the particular work that I'm doing now has really come as a result of my horticultural background. Um, so I've been doing garden design for probably around 10 years now. Um, and I hand draw my plans and I do watercolour renditions of my plans, which is quite an old fashioned way of doing things. But certainly my choice of, of the way to, to go about that practice. I love the creative side of it and actually putting pen to paper. So I'm very used to drawing in very fine detail. And I've never been able to move away from that. You know, I've tried at times to... Um, to paint, you know, in a, in a more um, fluid sort of way, but it, it, it's just not me. I always end up coming back to that detail. You mentioned that you're, you come from a long line of makers and creatives within your family, so I wonder if this, having a studio in the garden, was almost a prerequisite. Is that something that's quite common in your family? Uh, I think so. You know, I, um, each of the members of my family have that... Um, creativity in a different way. Um, I certainly grew up in a creative household. Um, my mum um, was a keen or has been in, and continues to be a keen gardener. She's one of those people who can knit anything. You know, she made all of our clothes. She, um, you know, she always made the furnishings for our house. She was a great cook. Um, my dad's business, he has a small business which is creatively based and, and he's internationally renowned for his line of work in that field. So I think it was definitely, it's always been part of me, but it's just taken me really 40 years to get to this point where it's actually become something that, you know, is, is my day-to-day. So what does an um, average great day look like for Colleen Southall? Are you an early riser? Do you have any morning rituals? Um, I am an early riser. We have two teenage boys, so um, a good start to the day is getting them to the school bus on time. Um, so we have here, to, here. Yeah. <laughs> Thinking of my ideal morning, though, um, is probably um, a weekend when we don't have to race to a sport um, activity. And it usually involves um, being up again before everybody else. And often in the garden, often I have to say still in my pyjamas with my work boots on um, and picking things to bring into the house. So particularly in spring and summer and autumn when those crisp morning air you know, is just really beautiful, it's a perfect time to be outside and it's quiet. 
Um, it's just me really and, and you know, the dogs or the sheep or, you know, whatever else <laughs> is hanging about um, at that point in time. So, yeah, I do love starting the day that way. Your garden is such a beautiful spot. The landscape surrounding it comes in and it's beautifully um manicured garden as well I'm seeing it just as it comes out of winter how long has it taken you to create this special spot uh so we've been here for 10 years now um so it was bare block when we started apart from one shed but we really did start from scratch and we built the house so uh Parts of the garden are about 10 years old, but then a lot of the garden is a lot younger than that. So um, we've done all of the work ourselves. Um, We haven't had landscapers involved. So it's really been a case of the garden developing as we've been able to do it. Um, And it's developed quite organically, which has been um, the way that we've really wanted it to happen. So I think it's really evolved in response to the the needs of our family as our family has grown with us. The boys were quite young when we when we first came here and what do you grow here what kind of plants oh gosh all kinds of things I grow what I love I think is probably the best way to describe it um I try not to be dictated by fashion in the garden I think it it can be a trap um particularly with with gardening and and fashion applies to to gardening just as it does to to other things um it's it's certainly a country garden um we have um I've, I've been quite Um, keen on making sure that we have good bones within the garden so that the structure and the layout um, is good um, and that though that structure then carries the garden throughout the seasons Um, I have a lot of perennials in the in the garden which I really love that they change through the seasons a lot a lot of ornamental grasses which I've um, become more and more um, fascinated with as time goes on I love them because they blur the line so beautifully between the garden space and the landscape that's beyond in a rural setting. So um, my collection of, of, of them has, has grown um, a lot in recent years. Um, a lot of old-fashioned plants. I tend to lean towards more old-fashioned plants and a lot of the new hybrids. I think a lot of them are tried and tested and, and they're um, hardy. Um, and in our climate, you know, it can be quite a challenging climate to grow in because we have intense cold um, in winter. Um, but also, you know, we're seeing more and more 40 degree days in summer as well. So we need to be able to have a, a, a garden that copes with the really heavy frost and the snow, but also one that will cope with those really hot days as well. So speaking of toughness, I wanted to ask you about that, because as we make our way towards Christmas and times of celebration um, for much of Australia New South Wales definitely um, in rural areas we are in the grips of such a dry time what do you say to people who are trying to upkeep a garden um, and the spirits of a garden during this time Uh, look it's it's incredibly challenging at the moment um on so many different levels, I think. You know, I think as, as gardeners, we really put our heart and soul into our gardens and watching them um, suffer through these really dry times. Um, it's not only physically damaging to the garden, but, it you know, it can be quite emotionally challenging um, for us too. So, um, look, I've, I have been thinking about this. I mean, apart from the practical side of... of um, you know, making sure that the garden is well 
is well mulched, um, that the soil is improved, so that there's a lot of organic matter in the soil which helps to retain moisture. Um, you know, making sure that you choose plants that are right for your environment um, and, and that are more likely to cope with these really dry times. You know, there are those practical elements to consider. But another thing that I think um, can be really useful, which I think um, regardless of what's happening um, in terms of, of, of climate and sort of changes in those patterns, is that um, to me a garden is a space that can really be shared. Um, so I, I know with our garden, um, a lot of the plants within our garden have been gifted to to us from my family or from friends and, and we do the same too. So we tend to share plants with um, with family and friends. I share plants with clients if I'm doing garden um, a design for them. So the really lovely thing about that is that um, it's a little... It, it's an insurance policy in some ways that if you know that those plants that you really love are being shared among other gardens, then there's an opportunity to, to reshare those in the future. So if you do lose those plants, you know that there's someone who is, you know, potentially has them and is looking after them. So um, I think that that can be really, really useful. For people who might be in um, the city and they've got people that they want to do this for, how do you actually do it? Like, you know, you dig the plant up and you put it in a pot, but how long can it last in the pot for and what's the best way to care? And Sure, I mean, that depends a lot on the plant itself, I suppose. Um, certainly um, perennial plants, which are... Um, generally plants that live for more than a couple of years and they're often herbaceous plants which means that they die down in in winter um to share those is is quite straightforward so things like what what kind of like like an iris yeah iris is a iris is a iris is one of those plants i think that have been shared among so many country gardens particularly it's so easy to to share um um, certainly all of the bulbs yeah absolutely you know they're very easy to share as well um, perennial plants like oh gosh there are so many salvias penstemon um, uh, cat mints um, sanguisorba um, the ornamental grasses there there are just so many that that can be easily divided by um, or propagated by division which essentially means that you lift the plant out of the soil um, and um, either break or um, sometimes cut you know with a sharp um, um, spade or an old bread knife it's actually a really good tip um, you can divide that plant into numerous different plants and pot them up and 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 send them on so if you're traveling if you choose to share some plants with someone and you're traveling to and, and wish to take them um, those plants to them sometimes wrapping them in wet newspaper will keep them fresh enough for that period of time until they have an opportunity to to plant them at the other end but I think the important thing is to share something that is that you have found has been successful in your garden um, and that you have some connection to. So really you're sharing the story of your garden and your love for plants with the person that you're gifting it to. How do you share your garden over Christmas? Oh, the garden is so important at Christmas. Um, it really is a place to share with family and friends, um, not just on Christmas Day itself but certainly in the lead up to that. And I think, you know, um, in Australia with... Um, Having Christmas at, at summertime, it's the perfect time to be out on the veranda, to be out um, in the garden enjoying, particularly in the evenings, are just so beautiful. So um, for us, um, 
the Christmas table has always been a big um, a big thing. You know, certainly in my family, setting the Christmas table has been something that mum would do every year and do really beautifully. So um, again, often in my pyjamas, one of the first things I would do on Christmas Day would be to collect um, plants from flowers and foliage from the garden to set the table with. Um, we uh, drape eucalyptus from the... the um, rafters in the veranda over the Christmas table so that we're sitting underneath that foliage which is really beautiful and that smells beautiful. Um, the, the garden in the afternoons um, on Christmas days is a place for play. You know, often the adults will walk around the garden, particularly the women will walk around the garden and the men and the boys will be playing cricket or kicking a football around or, you know, it's a very um, interactive sort of space. So... Um, yeah it's really important really important to us and the fragrance of the the summer garden is beautiful too you know it's a time when a lot of those flowering plants in a in a good season and hopefully we will still have some of that this year um, that but that fragrance is really something that we you know goes hand in hand with Christmas here well Colleen it's been such a treat to to talk with you um thank you for showing me around your house and your garden and your gorgeous studio your enviable studio and have a happy christmas thank you sky you too thanks for coming hi it's sky here thanks so much for listening to my podcast company If you're still feeling a bit festive after that interview with Colleen, I would just love it if you could tell some of your friends about this podcast and get them to rate and review on iTunes. You can follow me on Instagram at sky underscore Manson and make sure you keep an eye on things there for the proper launch of this podcast and newsletter in 2020. Until then, have a wonderful and safe Christmas.